Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. everybody. Uh, Welcome back to the college students. I love this. Uh, Let me go ahead and just kind of get us started out right here is, uh, uh, you know, hopefully prayer is like not just something we do here. uh, It's something we're engaged in in our family, in our everyday life. We're praying continually, right? Um, And the reason for that is that we need to continually be depending on Jesus and not ourselves, all right? And what's crazy is through the history of time, um, we as human beings have tended to say, no, we'd rather not do that ourselves. We'd rather have somebody else do that for us, right? And then we'll kind of come along. Um, So at this time, here's what I'm going to ask us to pray about. And you pray right where you are. This is a time of just silent prayer, um, is that you hear Jesus' voice. All right, that's really, really important, okay? Because I don't know, I mean, there's a lot of faces I don't know in here, okay? And, and I don't know why everybody ends up showing uh, up to church or what church or which church or any of those things. Um, but the goal here isn't me and my personality and my insight and all these things. It's that we're going to get closer to Jesus, okay? And so the reason that we have some time to just pray alone, because sometimes you may have some things you need to talk it out with Jesus, Okay, and so let's take that time right now and then we'll continue. Father, thanks for giving us your word. Thanks for letting us come together. Thanks for letting us enjoy each other's fellowship and company. Father, we pray right now that you give us uh, hearts filled with courage, Father, that we are not going to settle for anything less than you and what you're calling us to be. Father, help us to not be swayed by our world. Father, and I pray that we do know, God, there is uh, just immense amounts of courage when we are connected to you and we're focused on you, Father. Uh, And just thank you again. I pray as I speak, Father, that your words are coming out, that we understand what what you want us to hear today. Father, that we'll leave here changed, but not just leave here as individuals. We leave here collectively together, Father, to go out and make disciples. Father, we pray and are are so grateful for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, let's see here. 1 Corinthians 11. You can go ahead and turn over there. All right? Uh, If you're you're like, hey, if you're coming in right now, okay, we've been going through 1 Corinthians. You're going to think as I start reading this passage, you're going to be like, this might be the dumbest preacher I've ever met in my entire life, right? Doesn't he know campus students are coming back? Why is he reading 1 Corinthians 11, Okay. Uh, but this, so this is gonna listen. This might be a real cold bath of water that you're jumping into right here, man. But we've been like digging into First Corinthians every single chapter, all right? Because here's the thing: is this is really, really good, 
And there's there's something to be said, right? I mean, it's, it, isn't it easy, like, on our own to say, man, I, why don't churches and why don't people talk about, like, tough issues and, and delicate issues and all these things? But you know what ends up happening sometimes when we get into it? You're like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do that so much, okay? And so we're diving right in here, okay? And this is, here's what I'm excited about. This is where I think God has, like, perfectly set this up, right? Because um, we are going to be able to either learn or to like build up on our ability and understanding to handle the word of God. Okay. And, and, and here's the deal. All right. I, again, generally speaking in the town of Clemson, in the state of South Carolina, in the U S in the world, most often, I mean, we're mostly biblically ignorant. That's right. Basically, what we know about the Bible is what somebody has told us is right and real. Yeah. All right. And here's what this has given us an opportunity to do. Man, be courageous, dig in, right, and find out really what this is about. And so this gives us a great opportunity, right? In 2 Timothy, Paul says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. All right. And, and my hope is that I hope never, ever in my life, I hope I never am giving an impression of God that is unworthy of him, all right, in order to conform to our world. I pray that never happens. I can't imagine a worse thing to happen in life, all right? And so hopefully we're able to do this correctly teaching the word of truth. You can write this down in your notebook, right? This is, this is how to read the Bible 101. Okay, this is almost exclusively where everybody goes sideways and it's kind of like, well, how come there's like hundreds of churches and they're teaching different things and they're seeing different things? This is it almost always comes to this. All right. A passage we're reading cannot mean to us what it never meant to the original hearers. Right. What we normally do, okay, is we tend to read a passage and we want to know, okay, this is about us right here, right now. And we start, you know like getting all of our ideas about what that means. And oftentimes we read into the Bible what they would have never understood, okay? And we're going to talk about that, but this is, this is one of those things I hope as long as you are following Jesus and studying his word, hopefully this is a principle that never leaves you, okay? It's a great question to ask when we're reading something, studying something, when you're doing something in your own quiet time, and you come to an interpretation, we have to ask ourselves, would the original hearers have heard what I just said? And many times the answer probably is no. We're going to be using this today, okay? So let's look. Um, here's the deal. We're going, to follow, we're going to find out it's the same old Corinthian church in chapter 11. It's the same old church, okay? It's about me. It's about what I want, how I want it. I don't care what other people think. I don't care the way God. We want what we want, okay? That's what we're hearing from the Corinthian church over and over and over again. And I think that's an anthem we all probably can relate to to a certain degree. Even if you're thinking like, well, that's the person sitting next to me. They're always like that. No, we're, we're always like that, man. We're egoists, okay? Is the, the truth of the matter is, is that we want what we want, right? We want how we want it. We want it to be pain-free, and we want it to be very prosperous. All right? Except it's really fascinating is now we're following Jesus, who's saying, hey, man, I went to a cross. You come too. Okay? R remember, who we're, remember who we're following here, okay? So, same old Corinth. 
Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 2. Now I praise you because you always remember me and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man and that man is the head of the woman. God is the head of Christ. And every man who prays or prophesies with something on his head dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since that is one and the same as having her head shaved. So if a woman's head is not covered, her hair should be cut off. But if it's disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, she should be covered. A man, in fact, should not cover his head because he is God's image and glory. But woman is man's glory. For man did not come from woman, but woman came from man. Man was not created for woman, but woman was for man. This is why a woman should have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. In the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, and man is not independent of woman. For just as woman came from man, so man comes through woman, and all things come from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a disgrace to him? But that if a woman has long hair, it's to her glory. For her hair is given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants to argue about this, we have no other customs, nor do the churches of God. Boom. <laughs> okay, I, listen. Those times where I'm really glad that God has not plugged a video camera that I can see the thoughts going through your head. Okay? Because here, man, listen. Some of y'all are reading this going, finally. Others are reading this going, hold me back from tackling that guy. Okay? And so this is, this is a, a fantastic thing. But let me ask you something, okay? This may even have been the first time you've even heard this taught publicly. Okay? And so there are a few things we have to go through. But why is this? I want you to ask yourself this question. Why is this so hard for us today? Why is it so hard? Simple answer. It wasn't written to us. Yeah. <laughs> That's the simple answer, okay? Go, oh, did he just say the Bible's not good? No, hold up. <laughs> okay. He's writing a letter to the Corinthian church. Okay. It would be really crazy, wouldn't it, if he was like talking about like all things American that we were like, whoa, how do you know all that? And the, the Corinthians would probably be pretty confused by that, okay? But understanding one thing, this is originally written to Corinthians, these things weren't hard for them to understand. Okay, we, we need to keep that in mind. We're going, what is he talking about? Like, like the sign of authority and because of the angels and all these things. And, and again, taking a deep breath and going, okay, we've got to do a little bit of work. Yeah. Right. I, here, here's my deal. Is everybody in here, you want to know what? You, you're at a different place. And as some of you guys are like rocket scientists, smart it goes down to me, this like, man, I'm kind of like, I'm a PE major, man, okay? And it's just, to all you PE majors out there, okay, it's okay. Okay, right, it's all right. But, but here's the deal is, is that there is, intellect isn't what we're talking about. Okay, it doesn't matter the smartest person, it doesn't matter the least smart person, okay? To handle the word of God as it's delivered to us in our language is going to take diligence. That there's no way you're going to be able to sit here and either agree or disagree with me unless you're willing to get your hands dirty in the Bible. Okay? That's going to be a really, really, really important thing here. So, uh, so let's look at a few things here. Let's understand this first. 
because this is our job right now, okay? For right now, me and your job is to find out, okay, if I was to live in the first century Corinth, okay, Greece, just think if you're thinking on a map, okay, the area of Greece, if we're there, I want you to think of all the things about Christianity we would never know. In the first century, okay, it would practically be almost everything we've been taught, okay, about how church should be and what it should be about. So we need to sit ourselves right there and go, what did they hear? Okay, because he's talking about head coverings and he's talking about veils, okay? But at the same time, here's what I'm going to have us do. Like, push the brakes down a little bit because we're, here's the temptation sometimes. This is just cultural. It's not for us. But here's the deal. Everything we read in the New Testament is cultural. It's written to a specific culture. It's not enough for us to say, no, 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 we can just push this off to the side. What we need to do is go, hold on a minute, what did they hear? And is there an application for us today? Can, can we do that? Okay, so if you're already pushing it off, man, they're already making a big deal out of things that don't matter and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to say just hold up a minute. All right, let's hear what they heard and see if it has an application for us. Okay, so here's the interesting thing about this. First, first century Corinth. Veils. Now, understand something is, is, and some of you guys know this, the original language, New Testament was written in Greek. We're reading head covering and all these things is, is the, the point between men and women was veiled and unveiled. Okay, and, and a veil wasn't just a cap. All right, it was like covering you, right? And uh, it, was essential, it was an essential part of just female clothing. It communicated both respect, submission, and honor. For women to be unveiled was to declare their independence from their husband. All right, like this, this was like, I'm publicly putting my foot down. Right? I'm in charge. Okay? And so this is the issue, right? Simply put, what was hap happening in the Corinthian church was when they gathered together, okay? People were coming together and they were like, hold up a minute. Who, they're like, nobody is following like what God is saying they're supposed to be and do. Because there was this level of like dishonor and disrespect going on. They were bringing dishonor to God because they had that come together and worship unveiled. And like I said, it wasn't this idea of, man, what's the big deal? Is, is he talking about, and again, don't jump forward to today, like, oh, is he talking about dresses and pants and da 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 stop. There was a specific reason. Women were coming to say, I am not only not with my husband, I'm independent of him. Okay. That's a dishonoring of God. It, it, let me just be clear. If you're married and that's your view, okay, that you're absolutely dishonoring God. Okay, this is what was happening. Wives were being outwardly disrespectful. And you want to, here's the deal, right? Husbands weren't doing anything about it. They're going, okay, just kind of like timid. Hey, man, don't let me get in the way. Okay, so you had two things going on, right? And we're going to dig into this a little bit because we're going to go, well, why did they, why does that matter? Like, who cares who comes this way and if this person, and they're just working together, right? But we're going to find out. Ultimately, this, they trusted in ways that seemed right to them. And I want you to let that sit in for a second. All right. Uh, Solomon, when he wrote Proverbs, said there's a way that seems right to us. And in the end, it leads to death. Okay. He hears the, this, is, this is one of those very tricky things about Christianity. We often think that if it seems right to me, it must be right. The, the Bible teaches the opposite. He said, be careful if it seems right to you. 
like, like search it out. If it really, like, no, this seems absolutely right, and this is absolutely wrong. He's saying, man, there is a way that seems right, and it leads to death. So we have to be very conscious of that, right? So this is what was happening in Corinth. So if me and you were invited to go to a Corinth, like a Corinthian Sunday morning gathering, the first thing we would know about the city was that there was an absolute normal behavior of women wearing veils and men not wearing veils. Okay? And that it spoke something. It, it communicated to the city. Everyone understood that. And then they went into church and they saw that's not how it is in here right now. And in fact, it's a way that's like really offensive and dishonoring and all of these things. Okay, so we walk in, we would go, whoa, hold on a minute. Something's a little bit different here. Let's dig into why that's a problem though. Okay, 1 Corinthians 11.3, if you're taking notes, it's really, really important. Uh, And and this is, you, you may not be like this. Let me just tell you how I am, okay? When I'm getting into something and digging into something, I have a superpower to read into things, the things that aren't there. All right. Can you do that? Right. Okay. Here's a great question. Abby helps me with this so often. Right. Did they really say that? That's a great question. Right. Did they really say that? Those words. And you know what? Always it is. You're going, well, no, but I'm going to lose. The, I'm losing my, 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 my arguing point if I yield to that. Okay, but it's so important because this is what humility is about. It's, it's not like adding things in, but going, hold on a minute, what is it really saying? Like, let's slow down. Let's, let's, and, and here's the deal, man, is this is the foundation of Christian community, is that we're going to get our hands dirty. It really is true, okay? And so you look at verse 3, he gives us a principle that's absolutely vital. He said, I want you to know Christ is the head of every man, the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. Okay, let's just, we're going we're gonna to simmer in that for a second. There, there's only one way this becomes uncomfortable. It's when I start going, God didn't know what he was doing. God's way isn't right. What he said isn't true. Okay. So we've got to just kind of, let's, let's look at this. This is a big deal. This is a principle. He also goes into verse 11. He says, this is a principle. Woman is not independent of man, and man is not independent of woman. That's a rock-solid principle that every single person... Now, the interesting thing and somewhat difficult with chapter 11 is he kind of goes back and forth between husbands and wives, men and women, meaning like he talks about in some cases in a marriage relationship, in other cases just like men and women in general. And that's a little bit tricky, okay? That that is a little bit tricky to, to look into, okay? Um, but he's saying this. He's like, here's the deal. Woman isn't independent of man, and man isn't independent of woman. Okay. And those are the kind of things that very well may be one of those things that you just have to go home and set these principles in front of you and go, okay, God, me and you are going to wrestle with this. <laughs> okay. We're going to wrestle with this. And I want you to keep hearing this as, we, as things come up. It, keep hearing. It, did, did he say what you think he's saying? Is this saying what you think it's saying? Genesis chapter 2, right off the bat. This is so great, man, because here's the deal. Lord God took man, placed him in the Garden of Eden. He said, work it, watch over it. Then later on, he said, the Lord said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I'll make him a helper as a compliment. 
That's like really good news. <laughs> Unless you argue with your wife today on the way to church. Right? <laughs> this is good news. This is good news. All right. This is at the beginning before anything happened, before people started hating one another, before people started treating each other inferiorly, and before people started treating people as if they aren't worth anything. This was the beginning. This was perfection right here. Is is it's not okay just for you to be by yourself. Like there's something that's missing that's required. Okay? So he put the man into a deep sleep. He took one of his ribs, he closed the flesh, and he, and he made woman. The, the, this one, at last, is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman, for she was taken from man. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife. They become one flesh. But the man and his wife were naked, yet they felt no shame. Okay. Uh, and, and again, just to kind of like piece this together, you're like, I don't know what the big deal is. When these principles go away, everything down the line gets broken, okay? So all of a sudden, if this isn't right, right? If it's, if it's good for man to be alone, if God creating men and women in his own image, okay, which is awesome, isn't it? Is, is he saying, yeah, man is one thing, but my entire image isn't even total until there's man and woman, okay? And the minute that we start breaking this down and start going, well, what, what's going to make sense to our culture and what's going to make sense to people around us and what's going to make sense, all of a sudden then one thing after another starts breaking down. Okay. And so it's really, really, really important that we begin understanding what were God's principles originally. What were his principles originally? This is just a study of the Bible right here. God's blueprint for a family. You know what's crazy? Here's the deal is, is when you take a church, listen, the, the church isn't going to be healthy if families aren't healthy. Okay? Families aren't going to be healthy when people inside the family aren't living out according to how God wants us to be, right? And God's blueprint for the family is that men are, be, men are to be spiritual leaders of their family. Guys, the buck stops with us. This is about being accountable. This is about standing up and saying, yeah, you want to know what this... And, and here's the truth of the matter, guys. Here's the thing. Whether we want to go, no, man, I kind of want to back off just a little bit. And like, I don't want to... Ta- I'm scared to t- be accountable. You want to know what? It is scary to be a decision maker. It is scary to be out front and to go, no, no, no. We're going to do this in this way. And I'm going to be accountable for it. All right. But, but here's the thing, guys. We don't have a choice. There, there isn't a choice for this, okay? And sadly enough, what ends up happening is, is, is guys, we're getting more and more cowardly over time, and we're less and less apt to just make some kind of decision, and we get caught in these really weird conversations like, well, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you, you know? That's a sign of timidity, okay? It's a difference when we go, hey, let's all talk about something, okay? And then somebody's got to call the play. All right. There's a difference. But man, the timidity of men, this is going to be a part of this right here. OK, um, they would be spiritually accountable, protectors and providers. And that's in Ephesians chapter five. All right. Men, love your wives like Jesus loved the church. He provides. He protects. He's accountable. All right. 
And so, guys, that's the first thing. We've got to go, hold on a minute. Am I even? Because here's the deal. There, there's some guys in here, right, probably going, man, this is really great. Talking about those ladies and head coverings and signs of authority and all these kind of things. Okay. And this may be the problem. This may be. Ephesians 5, Genesis 2, women are respectful, affirming, and helpers. Does he say inferior? Does he say one is superior and one is inferior? No. He's saying, here's my creation. This is the way I'm building it. It's required everything to work together for God to be glorified. Hold on a minute. Go back there. Dick. Married brothers and sisters, our marriage, okay, is supposed to represent Christ's relationship with his church. So you can kind of see how when we go downstream a little bit, oftentimes the church struggles because the church and disciples don't want to submit to Jesus. And we go back and go, but I'm not into submitting in any way. How can the church do this? Like, I have to model this. Me and Abby have to model this, okay? Because, again, it's that idea of like, okay, what does this look like? And I'm picturing all of this kind of toxic masculinity. And I'm thinking of all of these things that are so bad. But here's the great thing that I love here is I get to see men and women modeling this. Me and Abby model this. Tyler and Jessica model this. Steve and Roxanne model this. Mike and Summer model. I mean, this is great to go, oh, okay, you mean that's what that means? It's not this idea of, oh, man, no, you can't have a say. You can't do any of these things. It's this idea of, as we model it, God is glorified. But we both have to be convicted about God's ways. God isn't about order. I mean, God is he's about order, okay? <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> okay, he's not about chaos. He's about order, all right? So, so let me... Kind of picture, go back, right, to like the church as a whole, all right, without like embracing and having a deep conviction about his roles. It's the same thing as running 11 guys out on the football field in a few weeks. Y'all do whatever you want. Well, I, I'm going to throw the ball. No, I'm going to throw the ball. Well, I'm going to catch the ball. Why do you always get to catch the ball? It, you know what's kind of funny about that? That kind of what sounds like church has become. Right? It's kind of what it is. Well, who says this about you? And what are you? And, and all these kind of things going, hold up a minute. Here's, here's the deal, right? Is God is the head coach. And he's saying, here's the play, man. And here's, no, you know, you know, if you got to watch Trevor Lawrence play yesterday, that was really neat to see him in Jacksonville Jaguars uniform. But he's, you know, you can't run out there and he goes, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to play quarterback today. I'm going to do something else. And then the right guard is going to come around and play court. You're like, oh my goodness. Okay. All of these guys are awesome, but they ain't going to win. And they're definitely not going to be moving forward together, right? We talked about that Wednesday, Philippians 1.27. Paul says, man, when I hear about you, I want to know that you're standing firm together, arm in arm. All right. And so understanding that there is a reason for this. Okay. This is such a great verse. This is, to, to me, this is like the, this is what runs through everything we're talking about is this idea of God going, I created you in my own image perfectly. All right. 
I didn't mess up. I didn't say, well, man, I made a guy who he's really about 90% of me, and then he just make up for it with some 10%. He, he did. Right. There's a very specific thing that happens here, okay, that we need to embrace is that God isn't into making mistakes, right? He's not taken by surprise. He's going, listen, he knows him, and he's like, for the world to know me, I need my men and my women working together on this with God being like the main dude, right? This is, look at how ordered he is here. Peter writes, um, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by man, but chosen and priceless in God's sight. Okay, I love that. You yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Right? That's the church right there. Right. He's like, no, every one of you, every one of us, brothers and sisters, he's like, it's like this building that's being put together. All right. And everything is absolutely necessary. All right. That's just an incredible picture to keep in mind here. But the question really is, what does it mean to us? Right. When we go through this, it's, it's really easy to go, OK, well, maybe what it means to us is women should wear veils and men shouldn't. I don't know if that's the point he's trying to make. I'm not sure, okay? But, like, but Keith, look at down here. He says in verse 16, if anyone wants to argue about this, we have no other custom nor do the churches of God. All right? But understand something. He's not talking about the act of wearing a veil or not wearing a veil. He's saying there's no other practice but men are men and women are women in the church. There's no other practice, okay? There isn't this idea of one person like taking the responsibilities and roles of the other. That doesn't happen anywhere. Okay, so this is very important to keep in mind. What does this mean for us? Okay, and, and I want you to see this. Disciples of Jesus. Oftentimes, it, we know this, right? I mean, people who follow Jesus, we can get on our high horse. And, and all of a sudden, I'm not going to really be convicted about it, but I'm going to go scream into the world what they need to be doing. Disciples of Jesus must conform and submit to God. Okay, this isn't about, I'm going to go to my school district, and I'm going to... Disciples of Jesus must conform to and submit to God's purpose for creation. Men must embrace their God-given role as family and spiritual leaders. To do anything different is a rejection of God's own authority. That's it. And it's really easy for us to go, okay, let me go and get on social media and all those kind of things. I'm going to say, hey, listen, can me and you look at that and go, okay, yes, I'm embracing that in every way, shape, and form. Before we go further, let's be mindful about a couple things. Number one, compartmental conviction. Let me share with you what that is. You have one area or two areas that you are so passionate and so fired up about and so just like, like you are like singing it from the mountaintops. But then there's a whole lot of being a disciple of Jesus that don't matter to you at all. Okay. Namely, how I treat my brothers and sisters. Understand something. When we're talking about hard issues and we're talking about difficult issues, there is no conviction that it's okay for me to treat someone wrong. There's never a time for it, okay? You can't, don't get up there and go, but man, I got to get in there and like, I got to make sure the church is pure. Listen, there's never, hear my words clearly. I don't care what your conviction is. It's never okay to treat someone poorly. Right. 
Okay, you need to hear that loud and clear. Because a lot of times what we end up doing is we're, we want to fight for a conviction and then we want to like just slander people and run through people and do all those things. I'm saying, listen, man, I'd rather be wrong and love people than to be right and completely disobey the ethic of following Jesus. Okay, so let's make sure we're very clear on that. Compartmental conviction. We all have it to a little degree, okay? But let's be convicted entirely of what Jesus is calling us to be. Let's not try to undo wrong biblical usage. What does that mean? We look at a passage and we go, this has been used poorly in the past though. Like it's been used to, to hurt people. It's been used to demean women. It's been used to, to like just, just in a negative way, almost like a superiority, inferiority kind of thing. And it's been used that way. And it has. And it's a similar thing. There are many places in the Bible. When it talks about slavery, when it talks about these things, we're going, but man, people have used that in the wrong way. Okay? People have, and, and sometimes what we can end up doing, and, and I want you to be mindful of this, is it's really easy to go, because it was done wrong, let me jump to the other extreme to make it right. Okay? So because Christianity as a whole can be seen as something that is... Um, angry and kind of like like confrontational with the LGBTQ community. Okay? The opposite extreme isn't like, hey, there's no difference in us, so let's just like forget about everything. It's the idea of we've got to find out where is Jesus in this. And, and is the issue, is, is my issue really the issue or is it just I don't like people? Okay? Because that, that sometimes is what this comes down to. All right? Is it really that? Okay, so we can't undo wrong. Try, at least try not to, because what we tend to do is say, people have been hurt this way, so let me jump all the way to this side. Okay, and that's really what's even happened to our idea. It might even be stunning for you to hear that there is like a gender of man and woman. And we can go, but hold on a minute. There's a bunch of people, and they're saying all kinds of things that are hurtful and discriminatory and all that kind of stuff. So let's jump to the other side where there's no difference among men and women. But that's not what we've read in the Bible. There is a difference. It's a beautiful difference. It's an exciting difference. It's a required difference. Okay? So let's really do our best to not undo wrong biblical usage on our own, right? The single most serious problem people have with the Bible isn't understanding it, but obeying it. (laughs) All right? Man, if I understood it more, that would be easier. No, it wouldn't. Listen, I'm going to tell you the cross is tough, right? We, we read, somebody was up here reading Matthew 16. Anyone who wants to follow me must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And you want to know what? I love that passage when, I'm, when the cross isn't like in front of me. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Of course it is. I'm doing that. Are you doing that? And then something is standing right there and going, man, you, I got to crawl up on that cross. I have to deny myself. And that means deny everything in me that's been conditioned by our culture, conditioned by our world. I've been trained for 48 years to think like the world. Okay. And to know that that's true. Right. And so the issue isn't if we could just understand it more. Let me let me like just spoil the ending for you. Our takeaway isn't going to be for women to wear veils when you come to church. Our takeaway isn't for men to not wear veils. Okay. That's not going to be the takeaway. That might be a spoiler for you right there. Okay. Okay. It's not about if I just understood more about what he's talking about. We've been clear about what he's talking about. I've made a man and I've made a woman. 
I've given roles to each one. They both are equally important. They're both required for the image of God to be glorified. And he's telling his church, so get on board with that. <laughs> okay? And here's the last thing. Guys, let's, without mission, this is weird. It, it is. We're a, we're a weird group of people without mission. Okay, here's why. Okay. And, and understand this. It, it's, don't think just because you've been around Christianity, you've been a part of any mission. The, the mission is to make disciples, okay? So, so the gospel isn't like, oh yeah, you gave me everything I wanted, now I won't go to hell. It's like, no, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Right? And so it's that idea of when you became a disciple, if you became a disciple, if you didn't start going, I'm going to become a fisher of men. I need to be out being a fisher of men. Then I ask you who you were following. All right? I can't tell you how many people are like, I never even heard. Like, I'm not supposed to make disciples. Preachers supposed to make disciples. I'm not supposed to make disciples. I'm too young. Like, Hold on a minute. Who are you following? Because Jesus was not ambiguous about this. All right? But this is where church gets weird. When we don't have a mission. Okay, because then all of a sudden we're just kind of sitting here going, well, you know, if I like that dude and, and, and the, the college guys are looking for cute college girls and college girls are looking for cute college guys. And you're like, oh, man, I don't know. Some other church probably better looking people, you know, and all these things. Okay. When it comes to a mission. Okay. Here's the deal. When it comes to a mission, it's this idea of there are lost people that if we're messing around, they're lost. All right. Let that sink in for a second. Okay, we can have our personal preferences, but when the church starts looking messed up, the people stay lost. Right. Are you okay with that with your family? Okay. Are you okay with that with your children? Are you okay with that with your the people who you would go, man? I want them to become. They will not become disciples of Jesus if they don't see His people loving one another and going ahead as one. Okay. So that's the deal. No mission, then it's just weird. And I'm afraid that's what happens to church oftentimes. Because we're sitting there going, it is kind of weird. Like, why do I, like, what's the big deal about my husband and being in charge? Like, all he does is sit around watch ESPN. But, you know, I, but when it's like, man, we're moving forward spiritually as one. That makes all the difference in the world. So I'm just going to ask you to really examine that. If this is really coming across as super weird, I want you to examine. Have you ever been or are you a part of a mission moving forward to make disciples? Okay. Otherwise, this is just going to be weird. Question for us. Okay, you write this down. Think about it. We're not going to answer it all today. Am I modeling the role Jesus has given me? All right? Because you may be going, well, man, it's like married people. Yeah, you guys better figure it out. No, 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 no. Here's what you don't do at your wedding. Okay. <laughs> you don't get up there and they're like, okay, in 30 seconds, my husband's going to be the leader of this family. So I'm going to live it up. You know, no, 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 no. It's the idea of, am I modeling the role God has given me? Men and women. This is like a pretty normal thing. Is that, I think there's a combo thing going on here, okay? Is I think, guys, honestly, we haven't lived in a way that has been follow-worthy. It's just true. All right. Like the deep convictions about pornography, the deep convictions about loving Jesus, the deep convictions about loving people, the deep conviction. We just hadn't been worthy of it. And so it makes it difficult to turn around and say, why don't you all follow us? All right. I can understand from the from the ladies side going, really? Like you sleep in, you don't study your Bible, you don't reach out to anyone. You, you you're always struggling with something. 
Okay, can you see that side of it? But then there's the other side from the guy's perspective. Uh, we've got to model that. But it's really easy also from the lady's perspective to just be very disrespectful to men. All right? And, and to talk them down. Okay. Do, do you see both of them together make a landslide? <laughs> All right? Both of those attitudes together, it's a landslide. All right? And so the disrespect, the looking down on, the kind of like joking about how like lame the guy is and how, you know, and all these kind of things. I mean, it's got to stop. It's not okay. There is no other practice in the church of God. All right. Is that we follow these roles. This is the one I don't like. Okay. I'm not that much afraid of people. In fact, I, I, yeah, I can be a guy that wants to fight people. Okay, that, that's I don't. But here's the thing: is I hate being misunderstood. Right? I, I hate it. It's painful. I overtalk. I overexplain. I overdo all these things. Right? Instead of going, instead of going, hold on a minute. You want to know what? In this room, man, I guarantee you, some of you guys have misunderstood. All right. And, and here's the deal is, is I don't get to control that. All right. Is as a follower of Jesus, when I'm misunderstanding somebody, I go and talk to that person. Okay. This is, this is what I do. But I hate that. Because I'm like, man, people are going to go out to lunch afterwards, and they're going to be at the house later tonight, and they're all going to be talking, and they're going to talk about, well, he didn't know this, and he didn't know that. And I'm like, I'm not even going to be there to defend myself, and, you know, all these things going, hold on a minute, God didn't give me that responsibility. He just didn't. And so i got to be okay with it. We all have to be okay with that. This is a good prayer. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Really? Like, really? Okay? This, this brings prayer into a whole other world right here. How you have it, okay? And we know how he has it from Genesis chapter 1. How you have it, we want it here, exactly the way you have it. That's what we want, and that's what we desire. But here's the deal. In the end... It's not enough to show us right. It's not enough to show us right, but to understand and embrace what's good and beautiful about it. Sometimes I wonder, we walk away from the Bible sometimes, and we, and we have a bad attitude towards God. Or we walk away from the Bible, and we're like, I don't ever want to look at that again. I don't want to talk about it. That's just a gray area. And we make up all these gray areas that we don't ever have to talk about. And how often do we go, why is this a beautiful thing? If I trust God, if I trust God, then this is a no-brainer. I trust God, unless I don't, all right? Unless I'm faithless, unless I'm going, no, God, I don't trust you. There's nothing beautiful about this. There's nothing good about this. There's nothing good about how you made man and woman. There's nothing good about any of these things. And the truth of the matter is, is this is the message Paul is trying to get across to the Corinthians, is the way God created man and woman is a beautiful thing. The way they're supposed to interact with one another is a beautiful thing. In fact, it's supposed to. People are meant to see it and go, that's what I want with my life. All right? It isn't the guy that's like, yeah, and it's not the woman that's going, what a jerk. It's this idea of together, 
And, and people go, that's what I'm looking for. See, that's why it's important about finding a spouse, right? This is super important. It's, it's really tough, man. On your wedding day, you're like, oh, crud, I don't know if I trust this person. Okay. It's a big deal. Do we ever take any time to embrace why this is a beautiful thing instead of hearing from the world why this is such a bad thing? Let's not let the world dictate this. I love this quote. And then we're done. It's impossible to discuss gender roles outside of the framework God intended. That we would glorify him, love others, and tell a story. It's hard to tell a story if we're not telling the story. Right? We made up a different story. Okay? And so that's where we are right here with this section. It's amazingly important that we grasp this. It's amazingly important that we understand what is socially going on in Corinth for them to understand this point. It's really, really important. Sometimes it's really easy to go, but no, I want to talk about something else as it pertains to women and leadership and all these things, but that's not what this is necessarily getting into at its heart. This is getting into this idea of, listen, God has created man and woman specifically, purposefully, beautifully, and, and been very clear about the roles for each and live in those. All right. Might take some digging. I don't think any of us leave here going, hey, that was simple. Got this down. Man, perfect. This is kind of challenging. I, have you ever read Corinthians? You're like, I'm not reading that section. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. It's, this is good stuff right here, man. This is really good. All right, let's bring it in. Let's pray. How about that? Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.